members of the Izone, and welcome back to Impact Izone, your one and only source for Michigan State men's basketball, brought to you by Impact 89 FM, WDBN, a part of the Impact Sports Podcast Network. We're back in studio. I'm Julian Mitchell for Season 6, Episode 16 of the pod. Joined in studio this week by Amanda Poole, Kyle Turk, and Joey Ellis, my wonderful crew in studio with me. And we'll start with Amanda over here. Amanda, how you doing? I'm just a little sick, so I'm sorry if my voice does not sound like it's the real me, but don't worry, it is. <laughs> it is her. It's the real yeah. Amanda Poole. Yeah. Are we sure? Yes. It I'm is. Don't, it. Don't, don't, don't strain your voice. Don't strain don't your voice. Relax. Don't give her a hard time, Turk. It was a rhetorical jerk. question. Gosh. I'm, I'm, I've been the villain all day today. Turk's a jerk. Well, I've been the major villain all day. And we did have a sports meeting before this, and you did threaten to yank people out of their positions. Whoa. I figured it was like you know, like how in uh, how in, when you're in the the plays in Broadway like that, you yank them with that uh, with the coat hook <laughs> or whatever coat. it is. He went full dad mode and in like full, full dad principle. I'm, so, I'm really starting to feel my age here, guys. <laughs> might, might have to go to bed early tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's restart this podcast. Yeah. Wow, but uh, already off to a banger. <laughs> already off to a. a Banger. Is that what the kids say still? Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> Might have to just cut this now. But let's move on to some basketball. How's, how's Joey doing? Some big things did. happen. We, I, I think we're all doing pretty bad after that. Yeah, we wow. are. But wow. fine. Joey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm how good, doing, Julian. I, go. I am good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. But moving on to some basketball, some big things happened over the weekend. We should just be in a positive mood. We, we know what happened. Big Things happen. That's why we're doing this midweek pod, that special edition, spring break too. But special edition, no, just it's a special edition, man. Come on, <laughs> don't ruin. The, you know the vibe. Oh, <laughs> if anyone here knows the vibe. But big weekend on Sunday. Michigan State goes on the road to the Chrysler Center and defeats rival Michigan Wolverines seventy-seven to seventy. The final score. Michigan State with a huge win. I mean, we all did it in our previews. I think you even said it in your preview that you wrote for Impact Sports. No one really thought this was a win for Michigan State. Almost everyone predicted the Wolverines would win this one. They had the better team top to bottom, and that was the sentiment throughout. And so first, before getting into the stats, breaking the whole game down, were you all surprised? I mean, myself, Joey, and Kyle were all in Ann Arbor for this game. Amanda, you were watching... Were you surprised by what happened in Ann Arbor? I am surprised by, at least in the last three meetings when it was Michigan, Michigan State, it was, it seemed like it was John Beeline just out coaching Tom Izzo, out coaching Michigan State. And tables kind of turned there. It was, especially in that second half. I mean, it, I don't know how many ball screen after ball screen after ball screen that Cassius threw at Xavier Simpson, who really is one of the better on ball defensive point guards in the country. And Michigan, Simpson and their bigs really had no answer. I mean, Xavier Tillman, Cassius Winston were huge down the stretch, getting easy buckets when they needed them. So I'm a little bit surprised that there weren't, you know, the adjustments made from Luke Yelkich and and Beeline, who were the, you know, the maestros of that coaching staff there, especially defensively. So that was shocking to see for Michigan, but also I think you had to give some credit to Michigan State and and Tom Izzo and and just sticking to a game plan and and really executing down the stretch. I don't even think it was that as much as MSU just ended up out executing Michigan down the stretch, especially. I mean, this was not the same Michigan we've seen at home, at least in the Chrysler Center for them for most of this year, missed a whole ton of shots in that second half. Uh, I know MSU was O of whatever from three, I think O of eight from three in the second half, but... Michigan could not have been much better. Jordan Poole hit two threes at the end there to kind of make it tight, but this was as mature performance as I've seen from MSU this year. I think Izzo called it his best win in Ann Arbor, and, I mean, can you really blame him? This was 
the kind of win that makes you sit up and say, without two starters, this team still got life. Yeah, I definitely was surprised too. And it's just, I mean, I feel like the situation was so against Michigan State in the first place, just had it into there, missing Joshua Langford and Nick Ward and just their situation just didn't seem like they could pull it off. And I think that, um, I mean, they played Michigan State basketball when it came down to it, and that's what got them the win in and over. Yeah, and you talk about the arena just being against them. I mean, we're there. We have pictures of everything that happened. That arena was mazed out. There were T-shirts, that, and they were honoring the uh, 1989 team that went on to win a national championship with Glenn Rice, Rob Polinka, and a, a big part of them winning that championship was the whole phrase, shock the world, so the T-shirts had shock the world on it. The arena was crazy. It was all ready to go. The atmosphere was against Michigan State, but they got it done, and Joey, you touched on it, and I think the biggest thing for me in this game, and, and Izzo said it post-game, was that the team just had a game plan from top to bottom, from the training staff to the coaches. They laid out a plan to beat the Wolverines, and they executed every point. You look at the offensive end, you put Cassius Winston in ball screens the entire game. And Michigan had a game plan to where they would hedge, and they would bring Teske up to sort of defend Winston and run around with him. And a lot of times, on impact for a guard, that slows you down, and that slows what you see out of the pick and roll. But Winston kept the dribble alive, keeps rolling around, and he just found the open man time and time again. He really picked the defense apart, and then on the defensive end, they go under almost every screen for Xavier Simpson and force him to be a scorer. And I think the game plan for Michigan State just worked, and they beat Michigan at seemingly every position, which is something no one thought was going to happen. And it seemed like every time Michigan had a chance maybe to pull away, get some life there, and really blow the roof off the arena, Michigan State would just answer with an impressive possession down. I mean, Kenny Goins in that first half, 13 first half points, he was huge for them. I mean, just hitting big-time buckets when they need him, doing it on the defensive end. I mean, because you have to credit Michigan as well. Teske and Brezdikas early and midway through that first half were just eating MSU alive. I mean, they really had no answer, especially for Teske underneath. And that's kind of what you have when you, you know, you're down a big in Ward and, and Tillman's not the biggest guy underneath to, you know, put up with the big seven-footer. But really, I, I thought defensively Michigan State made great improvements in that second half. But don't get me wrong, Teske was still getting some mismatches on Cassius deep into the post, and I don't know if it was just Michigan not finding him, but also MSU just making those tough entry passes, not letting the ball get inside there. And and that was the difference. They really played, like Kyle said, top to bottom, probably their best game of the season without 30 points from Ward and, and Langford. And the thing defensively, they were willing to allow Teske to take those buckets. The thing yeah. I think the biggest thing is Michigan State forced Michigan to play one-on-one offense. You're either going to make Simpson beat Winston straight up or we're going to let Jordan Poole try and go out and beat Aaron Henry straight up. It's not going to be a team effort where the ball's hopping around. The ball's going to stick in one place, and I think that was a big reason, which is strange because you look at Michigan's roster, they have the better shot creators and shot makers, and one-on-one basketball, it just didn't work for them. A lot of unsung heroes, I think, from this game, and I know that... All the plaudits should go to Cassius Winston, and why not? Because that's his signature performance as an MSU player. I don't know if we're going to see anything better from him before or after this game because 40 minutes to do what he did in that environment against Xavier Simpson cannot be understated. But guys like Xavier Tillman, Thomas Kithier off the bench, Kyle Arns popped in 23 minutes on a bad back that's going to, you know, goodness, who I don't know what kind of surgery he's going to have to have after the season, oh but goodness. just a warrior. Uh, and, and just defensively, you're right. Making the ball stick, uh, forced a lot of bad looks. And, and even the open looks that M- U of M did get, didn't really hit them. I mean, sometimes you need that kind of luck to bounce your way on the road. But you look up and you see uh, Jordan Poole, 2 of 8 from 3. Xavier Simpson, 2 of 7. You took, you let a 30% three-point shooter take seven threes. Uh, Ignis Brazdakis, 1 of 4. It, it was a good job on all facets defensively for MSU. And, and Michigan not taking advantage of the opportunities they have with Teske on, on wins underneath, that's too bad for them. I mean, MSU deserved to win this game with their defense. Yeah, and a big part of it, and you talked about it, and I don't, I don't know necessarily, I'd have to look back at everything, but I think this is at least one of Cassius Winston's best games in a Michigan State jersey. He controlled this game, had his fingerprint on every piece of this. It was pretty much all him. And Amanda, we've talked about him all season and just how tremendous and spectacular of a job he's done 
But as Kyle said, this was probably his signature game. And for you, what did you see from Winston? And in your mind, has he locked up Big Ten Player of the Year? And do you have him anywhere nationally? Um, it's a lot of questions. Yeah, wow, yeah. goodness. It's a lot. It's, it's loaded, think. but it, it's, it's like just... Three-parter. Watch this performance, and I think these questions now have to be... Wow. They beg the yeah. answer. It's a wow performance. It really is. No, I definitely see his improvement over the season and just knowing that, well, one, when he just wasn't named captain in the beginning of the season, it was just like, okay, like he might not be one of these leaders on the court. But I think because of Lankford and Ward, he's been able to um, you know, step up as a leader on the court Obviously, with his skill, but I think he's, you know, he talks on the court. He's he's there controlling, orchestrating the offense and the defense, and just I think being that leader and being that having that mental drive to like get the job done, putting in forty minutes a game. I mean, that takes so much, um, takes such a toll on players mentally, and his ability to play through that and like play at the level that he's playing at every single game or almost every single game. I mean, that's Big Ten Player of the Year quality and nationally. Yeah. I mean, he, I, he's going to just be ranked very, very high. I, I mean, you can't you can't complain about him. And to think he did all this without hitting 1-3. He goes 0 of 3 right. from beyond the arc. And he shoots, he shoots at 42% on the season. And he, yeah. got, he got some of the looks that he, that he normally gets, especially those in-transition threes that he seemingly hits almost every game. Um, going off of Amanda's point, I think he's locked up Big Ten Player of the Year by a mile. I mean, I don't think there's a player in the conference who means more and does more for their team than than what Winston does. I mean, we talk about Carson Edwards, and I mean, he's a heck of a player. Might be the best scorer in the country with the way he's able to score, but he's also, you know, 20, 25 shots a game yeah. to to put Purdue within within striking distance still to win. And in terms of national player of the year, you can probably look at that twenty player semifinal list and maybe find three or four who do more or more impactful for their team than Cassius is for Michigan State. I think he has to be a legit, you know, candidate for National Player of the Year because, like Amanda was saying, I mean, he's been great all season. And, yeah, I mean, now being named a captain late, he's been doing it with his play, especially now being down two juniors in, in Langford and Ward. The other thing, I mean, you asked John Beeline right after the game, Julian, and he basically summed it all up in trying to figure out how exactly do you guard Cassius Winston as your Michigan. They didn't have an answer for him. I, he's... For a guy like him to be playing at the level he is where he's practically unguardable by one of the better players in the country defensively, that speaks volumes. 100%. And, and like you said, I, I asked about... He's, like, he's got that charm. He just you, you kept nodding back at him. He's got that such, he such a good charm. He looked at me and smiled, and I, I th- it felt like I was in the notebook, and I was Rachel McAdams, and he was just like... Oh yeah, wow, it was crazy. But you like, should have seen it. It was something. I guess I it, missed it, out. It was something out of a movie. Wow, it was, it, was, it was crazy. It was absolutely ridiculous. But... I asked why they continued to hedge on the screens when after a first half it didn't work at all. And basically what he said and what he said the entire press conference was that that is one of the best showings out of a point guard you are ever going to see. He even said, I've had a lot of great point guards in in my day here at Michigan. That is one of the best performances you're going to see. And I think that sums this game up. Trey Burke was a player of the year for Michigan a couple years ago. I mean, He had some good games. Oh, against MSU as well. Just, yeah. just and, a couple. Just a and, couple. I mean, Winston was right up there with them. I mean, even without hitting a three. And down the stretch, I know a lot of those points come on free throws that are just kind of in, in garbage time, yeah. air quotes. But, man, I mean, to to be a facilitator the way he was, that was you know a great performance that I don't think I really appreciated until after it was all done. Well, and also considering the first three meetings against Michigan with what Xavier Simpson was able to do defensively Wasn't very to good. Cassius. Wasn't very good in those first three meetings, Cassius, Cassius was. wasn't, no. And, and Julian talked about on the broadcast that he, just those opening minutes of that game was just kind of, you know, being like a LeBron James, just kind of facilitating, seeing what you're working with on the floor, seeing the matchups, eyeing all the matchups that you like, and really just spreading the ball, making the right basketball play every time down, and that was... It was really impressive to see, like Kyle said, no three-pointers. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over a whole lot, didn't really rush a whole lot, just three turnovers there. He just really made the right play every time down, and, and because of it was always putting Michigan State just in the right position to to hang close and then eventually pull away. MSU only shot 25% from three, 5 of 20. Didn't but they did it. get timely threes, a couple right. from Arns and McQuaid when they needed them. They did. And Goins especially. Yes. Go, yeah, Goins was big. And that's the thing for me that, that makes Cassius Winston vault him into that conversation for National Player of the Year, because although his numbers might be the mo- not be the most eye popping, he makes everyone better. 
and you don't see that. And he doesn't have he doesn't have the guys. You look at his Zion Williamson at Duke. He's fantastic. He's amazing. He's gonna probably be the number one pick in the draft. But he plays with R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and gets passes from Trey Jones, who is a fantastic point guard in his own right. You look at a John Morant at Murray State, and he's a fantastic player. He doesn't play with the same caliber of players that Winston does. Or against the same caliber But he's not playing against the same More of a highlight reel type More of a highlight reel too. in the Ohio Valley Conference yeah. versus the Big Ten. And not saying the Big Ten is put super respect talented. On the Racers. No, put they're put good. Put some respect on the Racers, my they're, man. They're a great, great team, but um, if you're going for National Player of the Year and trying to pick out one player. Oh, I know. True oh, point, I know. And like a true point guard who, who does it all. I think that but game put him in the discussion them. more than anything else. I 100% I think, think so. I know he's still the dark horse candidate, but I mean, once you get past those two and Barrett, uh, it gets kind of iffy. I'd say he's right there. It, it it It's there. And another thing looking at this game, and it's kind of sticking with Winston, but what we brought up before is that this was a big win because Michigan State did it with the injuries that they have to Nick Ward, to Joshua Langford, and Langford not coming back for the season. But Nick Ward is coming back. At some point in time, he will be back in his Spartan uniform on the floor. And I don't know if this is the best way to phrase the question, but I think it's something that needs to be asked. And would you say, again, I don't know if this phrase is right, but is this team better without Ward? Is this current iteration of a ball screen offense better than Nick Ward in the post? I guess is what I'm kind of trying to ask. Or how do you, what do you think when Nick Ward comes back? Are you looking at me first for this one? It's, well, it's what the numbers say. I, it's, I know, it's a very I know tough Julian. thing. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to say, say they're better without him because that's not what I want to say. But when he comes back, Tom Izzo's going to have something to work with. Because I think this game against Michigan, if you put Cash Swenson in a ball screen, he looks like the best guard in the country. I say that they still win that game if Nick Ward plays, I, given, given that performance. Izzo's, Cassius, Izzo's always refused to say that his team is not better without Josh Langford. They're not better you know, without Nick Ward. And it's tough. I mean, you can see what the numbers say, but it, Ward still might be one of the more polished offensive players in the Big Ten. And I still think at the end of the day, he's giving you 15 points a game. Defensively, there's no question that you're better off probably with him off the floor because as you've seen in certain matchups, he's just not the right matchup for certain bigs and he just can't guard out in the perimeter with the way some of these bigger guys play. But I still think offensively, he's too valuable to just be consistently missing out on it and think you still have a shot to to make a second weekend trip in March. I don't know. I'm very fond of Xavier Tillman, and I think he's done an incredible job when on like with his minutes that he's earned on this court. And I mean, he's been putting up the same amount of points or even more than Ward was when he was in. And I mean, if, if this is working for Michigan State, which it obviously is because of the great win, um, I mean, maybe don't rock the boat. I'm curious to see how the minutes shake out once yeah. Ward does come back. If he comes back. Well, yeah, because I know you say like mm-hmm. probably will happen, but we don't know exactly when. Like, yeah, he doesn't have a timetable. The, the most aggressive way of looking at it is oh well maybe comes back for the Michigan game but it could be Big Ten comes comes and goes it could be that first round of the NCAA games we do could not, be not. know could be. it could be if they get bounced in that first game could be never I mean it's it's just the reality of the situation um yeah I do wonder what what they do with that lineup once Ward comes back because he give he puts you in a better position to win games sure. I think that he does that does not get disputed but the results also don't lie and I think we're we're kind of underrating Xavier Tillman here because he played a great game back on Sunday. Uh, defensively, offensively, you know, did what they needed to do to win. He, I think he played the right game in the ball screen offense, and they did. He did just enough against a guy who was very good in Teske. He does the things that Nick Ward necessarily isn't the best at. Tillman isn't the greatest post player, but he is a better screen and roller. I think you would say than Nick Ward, and he's oh, yeah. a better defensive player guarding screen and rolls, which is something that a lot of people like to put Nick Ward in because he just isn't good at it. And that's kind of what it comes down to. And like you said, the biggest thing is how Izzo is going to work with these minutes. I mean, what do you do here? The, the ball has to be in Winston's hands, but how do you get Nick Ward his touches? And how, how does Nick Ward accept a role like that now? It's very weird because I say that, that Xavier Tillman did a good job, but he was actually negative two on the plus minus on Sunday. I know. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, right? It's crazy. I'm not K- huge into plus minuses. K- but. Me neither. Kithier stepped in. I just thought it was interesting. Kithier no, it stepped is, in and did, and did a good job. Um, 
yeah, do you start Xavier Tillman and basically kind of reverse their roles? Maybe because of, you know, Ward has the hand that you're still trying to work back from not 100%. I think it's more of a... I think you can get away with it now in, in figuring out that, hey, Tillman's playing better. He, he looks better in this offense. Ride the hot hand. Right. But then I still think at the end of the day, especially come March, in a winner go home, you need as many horses as you can get. And especially since the, that tournament is all matchup based, Michigan State might draw a team with tons of depth there in their front court. And then that's really without Ward where you'd really be missing them where you get you know short on the bench, you get thin there with bigs. So I think it is a big deal, obviously. You're able to <clears throat> able to get away with it during the regular season, even the Big Ten tournament, but still at the end of the line in March, you need all the horses you can get because, I mean, you get shorthanded and, and that might be it. And Joey, I want to bring up something that you talk about all the time and that you talked about in the previous matchups and you started out actually with the show with is that John Beeline has outcoached Tom Izzo in the last meetings. And in this game... I think a lot of people would say Tom Izzo outcoached John Beeline in this one. His game plan was better. He won the game, and that that was the fact. And and so, did Izzo outcoach Beeline in this matchup? And as far as your your coach power rankings, because I know you're big on oh Beeline's a better coach. People say he's better at developing players. Well, Izzo just walked in with a shorthanded squad against a team with less talent and walked out with a W. So pretty convincing one too. A very he convincing does. one. And so, Joey, you are the man who says this, so I'm going to start with you first. He does have the track record of developing. I mean, he would kill to have had that roster that Tom Izzo had last year. It's scary to think about what he probably would have done with Jaron Jackson running at the five with what he was able to do with Mo Wagner. Um, He definitely got out coached. There's no way around it. I mean, especially Jelkic, who was their kind of defensive coordinator known to be that that guru of, of defensive basketball. And and Michigan State just ate him alive there in that second half. But also, like Kyle was saying, they they just executed more. I mean, Michigan still wasn't hitting shots. I mean, they still end up putting up 70. But in their four losses, their offense has really struggled. They've been really just getting the ball in the hands of Xavier Simpson late in the shot clock, chucking up deep threes, which is something that's got to drive John Beeline crazy because that is the guy you do not want taking the shot late into the shot clock. But I think he did get out coached. There's no doubt about it, and but I do think Michigan still, when they're firing at their potential, they're probably as good as anybody. I mean, these four losses haven't really been convincing to, to make you believe that, but there's no doubt in my mind that Tommy Izzo went in there, and like Kyle said, a convincing win, but none of it might not matter in, in a week and a half when Beeline and co. Come, come to the Breslin Center and maybe turn the tables on them. A couple of individual performances for Michigan. If you want to call them out, Charles Matthews, four points. Jordan Poole, 15 points on 13 shots. They need I to mean, get him going. I it's I, A lot of chatter I saw was that Jordan Poole played the worst game of his career. I mean, Defensively, uh, he was okay. bad. He fouled McQuaid late in the shot clock one time and then got kind of tried to flop and draw a charge, and then McQuaid hit another three. Uh, look, they're both fabulous coaches. And I use fabulous sparingly. I don't use fabulous very often. Oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm, not gonna say, I'm not going to say anything about what he, what he said there. But <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, the whole talk this week coming up to this game, at least, was this rivalry is so huge now. And I think you don't get that way without two coaches that are as good as they are. Because show me a better rivalry in terms of ability proximity, all that, after Duke, Carolina. Right now, you don't have it. Right now, nowhere else. I was hoping you would you would include Duke, Duke North Carolina. What do you mean? <laughs> no, I said, oh, I, was, I, I, said know, I was hoping but, you didn't leave them out. Anywhere else? And in terms of Indiana, completely Purdue, in back state, in the day, maybe? yeah, Indiana, Purdue, maybe. But no one has the, the history where they're at now. You can look at Florida, Florida State. Kentucky, Louisville, when, when Patino and Calipari were last there. Last five to seven years, I would say that this one is – even oh, yeah. with Duke and Carolina. Yeah. But then Kentucky and Louisville, do they would you say they have when, the history? Yeah, in their earlier stages of I think, it. I think part I think part of it. But I think Duke, Duke, Carolina, Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah. They're both such good coaches. And I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. They both have characteristics that it's almost like the Xavier Tillman Nick Ward debate. They both do different things better than the other. That was nice. Thank you. That was a nice, nice little connection there. I like it. I like it. What do you, what do you think, Amanda? 
I mean, and I also think it was way the, the way the schedule played out this year too that built up so much um, anxiety for some people and also hype for a of, others. A lot of hype. Um, hype. Just with these rivalries happening in the last two weeks of Big Ten play, it's just insane. And I think that put a lot of pressure on both of the players and both of the teams. And going back to talk about the coaches just for a hot second, like I feel like in the beginning of this, we all were like, this is the team, like this is a Tom Izzo team. like, And that's what it came down to. And I think that's why he works so well with this team because of like just the depth of the team and all the different um, skills that they all possess. And Tom Izzo does a good job of highlighting all of those. But last year, you could say not a Tom Izzo team. No. That was a huge knock on his coaching. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not doing it with the guys that he usually has. No, so, so maybe, but maybe still it's... mishandling that has right. to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we can we can sit there, but for as much crap as we gave him for last year, I think I can say that because you know whole FCC stuff. As much crap as you gave him <laughs> last you, year for all that stuff, you're fine. You have to keep the same amount of praise back on him because oh, there hasn't been much of a drop off from where they were no, last year. Barely any drop off, and this is team is. It looks as cohesive as a team and as good of a team yeah. as he's had in a long time. And I think they are a serious threat to still do damage, and that's down one and a half starters. It's it's a big coaching job. Job. It's a big good job. Praise. It's a good him. job because this is this is definitely huge to do what he did, especially walk in there with the team he had and do what, what he, he did. Do what he did. Yeah, I don't know any other way to sum that up. But... He, he needed that one. He did more than and I think more that's, than they, they needed from a conference standing standpoint. 100%. Yeah, but I'm just saying from dropping four straight standpoint, he needed that one more than more than Michigan needed that. Sure, yeah. it is. It's a big win, no doubt, for Michigan State going we, on the road. And we get to do Michigan. it all again in X number of days. Can't well, wait. Only, only a little bit of a ways away. Can't wait. But uh, before we get there, there's some things we got to talk about. And Tur- Kyle, you brought it up. I had the segue for you. What it did in the Big Ten. I know you had the segue, then Joey talked and just... Unlucky. Shucks. What can be do? Shucks. What can be done? But a quick Big Ten update following MSU U of M Part 1. The current standing is of right now. Michigan State in the lead 14-3 and in the conference. Purdue right below them at 13-3. and Purdue does have four games left on their schedule, though, and nothing too hard as they have already played Michigan and Michigan State before these last four games. You look at Purdue in second place. Michigan falls to third now at thirteen and four in the conference. Maryland up there at twelve and five, and then Wisconsin rounding out the top five at eleven and six in the conference. And looking at these standings of right now, Purdue with four games left. Does anyone like Purdue to at least grab a share of the Big Ten title? I think there's a clear tier in the Big Ten with still Michigan, Michigan State, and I know Purdue's there in the standings, but I still don't think. Long term and consistently, they're gonna, you know, be at that top of the tier there just to be good enough. I don't know how consistent they can be out of Carson Edwards, but like you said, I mean, the schedule for them is the most favorable down the stretch. But I do think they drop one of their last two games on the road. I mean, it is it's tough to win in the Big Ten, especially on the road. I mean, Maryland's getting shellacked at Penn State right now as we speak. It was nearing thirty, and, and I still think they they get Ohio State, who's probably the best of the four remaining teams Purdue has to play. Um, but like you said, Julian, can they get a share? I think they probably can just because of that schedule. They're not playing Michigan. They're not playing Michigan State. And I do think Michigan comes and, and splits the series with Michigan State. So I think Purdue has a pretty darn good chance to share it. But like I said, consistency-wise, I'm not sure if they can sustain that. So they might drop a game or two here down the stretch. Maryland just dropped that game at Penn State, so twelve and six now, I think, right? With the loss, or did you already factor Maryland's in the 12 loss and six. when you when you did it? Twelve and six. Yeah, so out of it, uh, I think Purdue's got a better shot at winning it outright than anything else because MSU still has these two and a half quality games coming up here. I know you're not going to say Indiana's a tough game, but it's on the road. No, I I've been saying this. I won't be surprised if they lose. It's not going to be. It's it's going to be iffy. We'll get to it later, but. The schedule is set up the way it is. Purdue, uh, tonight, right now, when we're recording this, it's Wednesday. They're playing uh, Illinois at home. Four minutes ago. Yeah, Illinois at home. Thank you. Uh, And then at Minnesota. Ohio State is in between that. So Illinois. or uh, Ohio State at home. Illinois tonight. Ohio State at home on March 2nd. That's Saturday. Away at Minnesota on the 5th. And then away at Northwestern on the ninth. You think they lose one of those? One two? of those road games will be a loss. 
I can see Minnesota being a loss. Yeah, I would say Minnesota is that, probably, if you're going with those one of those, games, I mean, Minnesota who knows? is North, definitely the most. No one probably thought Maryland's going to go into Penn State and get right. absolutely bludgeoned. Right. I think just because of the way MSU and Michigan are set up for the next, you know, these last couple games here, I think Purdue is the most likely to clinch at least a share out of the three of them. Does it mean I'll be surprised if MSU wins outright? Not exactly, but it would take a pretty... It would take some pretty fascinating results for things to go against Purdue at this point. And credit to them. I know they haven't played the toughest schedule, but they've beaten the teams out in front of them. That's all you can really say. They have. And would you trust them come tournament time? You can never touch, trust a Matt Painter team no. come tournament time now, can you? <laughs> you <laughs> no. can't. We'll Especially wait. not this team. We'll wait and see. Yeah, I, it's weird. It's, been a, it's a really odd team because they don't have a massive post and presence inside because Harms doesn't play their, all, all their minutes. Yeah. No. But they've got, I mean, if they get hot, if they start shooting the ball well enough, that's the thing. They have they're tough. They're tough shooters out. all over the floor. If right. they shoot better than anybody they if, play against. If they outgun you, you're you're toast. It'll, I, be, it'll be very interesting. I'd say Purdue's got a better shot at clinching a share, winning it outright than MSU does of having either of those. I think so. Because you would you would it's all schedule. It would fact I mean, even if it's all schedule. both teams won out, Purdue would get a share because they have four games left. And don't forget Michigan has to go to Maryland on Sunday. And that that won't be easy. Especially if this team is playing like they did against Michigan State, where the shooting isn't great, the offense isn't perfect. They have holes. That's the thing. So Big Ten races is getting very interesting with only a few games left to end it out. And last one, just talking about the conference as a whole. A lot of people have been talking about this. It's been a conversation now that the season is kind of shaking out towards its end. But is this the best conference in the country? Currently projected to have eight teams in the NCAA tournament, the Big Dance, tied with the ACC, atop there with eight teams. And to be honest, for me, I I don't think it is. I would say it is the maybe the toughest, you would say. I think just because of how close everyone is. I mean, Maryland's losing to Penn State right now. And although Penn State isn't the most isn't the most talented team, it's competitive. Night in and night out is competitive in the conference. They're not top-heavy like all the other conferences, I think, which is what hurts, is it's not like an ACC where Duke and Virginia are your teams. And C2. And Z2. So, to, to me, I think it, it, it might be the toughest. I don't know if it's the best in terms of talent and all that. The floor is higher, I think, than in the ACC. I think it's those two. And I don't, don't, don't get me wrong, the Big 12 is right there. Big 12's got some guys at the top, too. Big 12 does. I mean, and I, they're, think, they're, I mean, they're really competitive. Kansas has made their way back into at some, again to share. At some points, I think maybe they were looking seven or eight teams as well. At least, I mean, it depends on where you look. The the projections it depends on where you look. But eight or seven for pretty much all these top four non power five or non Pac twelve conferences. You know, you could you could look elsewhere. Big Ten's probably maybe the deepest. Like you said, Julian, the toughest night in night out. It's going to be a dog fight. You're gonna really have to fight for a win. I think the ACC is the best conference in basketball. You can't really look past those I mean, they've teams. got three legit national title caliber teams if Zion Williamson is playing for Duke. I mean, Virginia Tech just smacked them last night. They're not bad by any means. Florida State's tough. You don't want to see Syracuse in that zone, as Michigan State learned last year in the tournament. Um, I mean, that's a deep team. And even Louisville. I know they can't close games, like and, and they've been an absolute train wreck the last month and a half. Yeah, they but really they did have. beat Michigan State. In impressive fashion, I mean they they should have probably beaten Duke if they wouldn't have imploded. So if they get going, I mean they're still a tough out. ACC is a pretty good league, but like you said, Kyle, Big Twelve, maybe one Final Four team in there. I like Texas Tech. And think about even the top of the Texas SEC. Great top of the. Oh, I like Texas Tech. Three shout really out Matt shout out Matt Micah. I knew you were gonna. Three really good teams in the SEC too, who all could m- make a run. LSU baby, LSU's had a pretty impressive week. It's true, and they did it without their starting point guard. Yes. LSU, yep. very interesting name. But Amanda, you look at the Big Ten, and for you, what has kind of stuck out about this conference this season? It's I think it, it's not the best conference, but I think it's the most interesting. You never know what to expect. I think that's it's always a thing. Every season, even though you could say, yeah, they're the number one team, like they're going to do great, you never know what to expect, and that's what makes it, makes it interesting. And also just how close every team ends up being, even though you know they're predicted – to not be close. It just you never know what's gonna happen and I think that that makes it interesting. Julian, you got a problem with the Pac twelve or something? Who is the Pac twelve? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Only time that? I think, listen think, into the Pac twelve is because Bill Wadden's there. I think the Americans uh, have is scheduled for more bids right now. They might, no, they are. Pac twelve's getting in maybe Pac twelve's getting 
in one, probably. Yeah, Washington. Depends. <laughs> Unless Arizona State makes a run. It, well, it depends on the conference tourneys, too, because we could get you know some That's teams true. coming from out of nowhere. I don't think this league's capable of having that <laughs> I, kind of team. Hey, could the, UCLA from the back. Could, oh, could, could the Max surpass uh, the Pac-12 in terms of bids if, if someone other than Buffalo wow. wins that conference tourney? I think so. Woo. Maybe. Woo. <laughs> it'll take, yeah, a, what, it'll what take a prayer. There? Let's think. So it's, uh, it goes, you know, those four at the top, American, what else is out there? American's good. American's, American's a good teams. league. Houston. Hello, Houston. Uh, 26 and very, one, very at least. Good. True. Cincinnati's Do you good. have Murray State in? Ohio Valley? <laughs> ja? Oh, I've got John. <laughs> Big East still don't sleep on Marcus Howard and, and, and Marquette. Man, that Pac-12. And I can't count, can't pour, pour count out, out GQJ either. Pouring out. Pouring one out for GQJ. Yep. Pouring one out for Pac-12 right now. Pouring <laughs> one out for them. You love it. All right. Well, that's our Big Ten update. We have a couple of Twitter questions I do want to get to because some people oh, tweeted out some great stuff. Massive Twitter questions. Some massive Twitter questions. One of them we kind of already answered. Uh, from Zachary Swisiggy, he asked about where Winston ranks in the National Player of the Year. We got to discuss that a bit. Number four. I stuck that in there. Probably four. Number I'll four. Give you, I'll right give now. you a quick answer. Four. Four? Yeah. Zion, uh, Morant, and Barrett. I'm not, I don't think Merit's, Morant's even in my three. Okay, well then tie for third with, uh, yeah, with Cassius? Yeah, you go tie for No. Winston's three. Cassius ahead of him. Wow. Winston's totally. three. You know, yeah, after, Winston's three. After yeah. that game, I wouldn't say no. I give him that just because of what he's done with Les. Morant's a highlight point. Yeah, point I was gonna guard. say, show me a John Morant performance against his rival with two without two of his starters. Yeah, and they they lost two of their you would say biggest games, losing to Auburn and Alabama. Yeah, right. I mean, gosh, it's just so tough to see him passing up either one of those Duke guys. He's not. I mean, he won't. The only thing I think I would have, I w- you could slide him at two and move him above RJ. Of a Barrett for now. If Barrett puts together another performance like the one he's been putting on, triple doubles, notching up assists, the talk, I think the national talk will lead more towards him just because of the numbers he's putting up. But once again, to me, doing more with less means a whole lot more. Like if I removed Winston from this team, bubble, maybe. No, with Warden Langford, I don't know. I, it's still so iffy to me because one, I still don't trust Nick Ward. At least the bubble. I still, I'm I don't, with you. I don't think if you're ta- if you're like Ethan Happ is barely pushing up Wisconsin, and he's the be- no, way better ranked. post player. They're in the tourney, no doubt. They're in the tourney, but like Ethan Happ is a much. It's a very disturbing alternate reality without Cash Swinson. Better player. It is very disturbing. We're no. not even talking about Grant Williams, Tennessee. Woo. Come on yeah, now. True. Well, and the other thing they have a lot of guys as well. I they love do. Schofield. I, I love Schofield. Same. I was going to mention with Duke, the thing is now with Zion Hurt, the whole talk is all right. Well, this means Barrett can can kind of assume the number one alpha dog role, and it's like they just lost to Virginia Tech on the road. I mean, maybe those guys aren't exactly all they're cracked up to be without Zion. And he's also been inefficient. Zion's just showing that he is by far and away the player of the year. He's crazy. I mean, he does it on both ends. He's crazy. They have. Been brutal defensively when he's not in the lineup. Come on, make make the point for Cassius. Come yeah, on, make it. he can't. He can't. He doesn't I mean, play. If if you gave Cassius Winston, even just R.J. Barrett, right? Well, it'd be a lock. Zion, yeah. won. that's like, not, that's you not how these things work. That's not how these things season, work. Though. If Izzo recognized to put Jaron Jackson at the five, Bridges at the four, and started McQuaid and Langford, and then you just let Winston run a ball screen. Where's Nick Ward? <laughs> Guys, Nick Ward is a starting player in the Big Ten. He is a good player. You what have Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson. What is the matter? I'm sorry, Nick Ward, but we got too much talent, bro. Quick <laughs> answer: off the bench. Zion won it, Player of the Year, back in the season opener against. Wow. Kentucky. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> By a mile. Wow. You know what? Someone's been sipping the Kool Aid. He, he did. He saw that in person. He I mean, did. Tell, tell me he's wrong. He <sighs> wrapped it up. Tell me he's wrong. There's not a more important player in college hoops in a long while than Zion Williamson. I don't know and I'm, I'm more of a Barrett guy. Most important. I'm more of a Barrett guy. You, you notice when his shoe exploded on national television in front of uh, you know eight million people in the first thirty seconds of the game. In front of former President Barack Obama. I didn't see the that. Forty four. Yeah. The forty four. Forty four in the bomber jacket. Did we talk about that last week too? I didn't yeah. see it. I didn't see Man, it. Because there's, there's a wonderful clip of Obama in the background. His shoe came off. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Boy, I love eh, it. He was in every single Maria Taylor shot too. Yep. He was. He, he was. We're getting, off, shout, we're getting off track. Maria Taylor. I know, we're holy moly. Uh, I, right. I feel like that's what Amanda was about to tell us. We were getting <laughs> off track there. So the next Twitter twi- Twitter question, excuse me, from Zachary Swisicki, what will be the biggest challenge for MSU in the final three games plus the conference tourney? And the last three games, 
are Indiana on Saturday coming up, Nebraska on Tuesday, and then Michigan once again for the rematch at the Breslin Center. Living life without Nick Ward, you know, a really good power forward inside that deserves to start in any starting lineup, including one that has Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson Jr. on it. I'm telling you. No, but actually, I still can't believe we're riding with that. That's just the thing is, the the bigs for Indiana have some depth to them. They do, and so uh, Jawan Morgan. So we'll get into that in a second. But it's going to be the biggest problem for me is making sure that you keep guys like Xavier Tillman on the floor. Uh, him in foul trouble means a lot of Thomas Kithier, and I like Thomas Kithier as much as the next guy. But I don't know if that's going to get you done down the stretch against uh, Indiana or Michigan. I think it just comes down to consistency and them playing at the level that they've been playing on, you know, without Ward. That was bad. I mean, I love Ward, but I'm sorry. They've been playing so well, and I think if they keep that level of consistency these next three games, they're going to fly right through. I I agree. I think Ward is a big challenge. I also think managing Winston is going to be difficult. He Izzo did say he looked as fresh as he had seen him in a while against Michigan, I don't know how many minutes you play him down the stretch if he continues to play these, but which leads into Zach's next question, which is how much does Michigan State value winning the Big Ten regular season? Does winning outweigh the risk of Winston having tired legs in March? I think you could probably ask any player in the locker room. You could ask Cassius, would he rather rest and, and not play the rest of the games and you know not care about winning a Big Ten title or play and win it? And I think the answer would probably be pretty clear for any competitor who plays college basketball. Um I mean, winning a Big Ten regular season title is still a big deal. I mean, you hang a banner. I mean, that's something that stays in the arena for all of time. And and I think that's something that some guys on the team haven't been able to experience. So I, I really think the minutes for Cassius, you're, you know, you're keeping an eye on him. But I don't think it's you're really all too worried about it. If he if he can play, he's going to play. He's, I think you hit it. He's not going to play 120 minutes in the last three games. No. I mean, he's but gonna... he might not have to against Nebraska. You might not have to against Indiana. In an ideal world, maybe right. not. But uh, yeah, it's I agree with you there. And I know the thing about it this way. When's the last time they repeated? I don't think that's happened in a long time. And I think there's there's something to be said, even if it is just a share. I know it's it's a bigger deal to go outright, but that's it's a, a Big Ten title is a Big Ten title. They don't just grow on trees, and you can't just pick them up whenever you want. You're right, and Joey really hit on it for me in that this isn't like the NBA. Uh, there's no load management. These these guys are going to play, and Winston is going to play. I mean, the fact that he's pretty much done it this entire season without rest, he'll be out there on the floor, and I think that that won't change. Nothing's going to change there. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that if asked of him to play for 40 minutes the next three games, he will, and he knows that, I mean, basketball is like the game of his life. I mean, all of those players love the game so much and they love the team so much. And I think that that's something that Izzo does a great job of is the chemistry on the team and, and knowing that, you know, winning a big 10 title or doing that stuff, it's for the team and it's for the program. And that just that mentality, I mean, that puts players like Winston, you know, in that mindset of no matter what, I'm going to get the job done. He's going to play. He'll be out there. I think that's the summary we've gotten to with those questions. Yep. I know. It's a good point, though. It I mean, really The is. whole March thing, because the last thing you want to see is them get to uh, that Elite Eight game, or, I mean, hypothetically speaking, of course, since we don't know how good they are getting out of the first weekend of a, of a tournament, Joey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good devil's advocate to play, because, as I said, the last thing you want to see is him just fade down the stretch of a big-time game and have that be the reason you can almost immediately think back to, oh man, we shouldn't have played him 38 minutes against Indiana, or we shouldn't have played him 37 minutes against Nebraska. It's just, it's tough. It is. And so, just looking it up, last time Michigan State repeated as Big Ten champions, this looks like if it's right in the regular season, it says 2009 they won it, and then 2010 they won it back-to-back. And it looks like that's the last time. They won one in 2012, or excuse me, so 2010, and then they took didn't win in 2011. Ohio State won, and then 2012. The conference tourney champ is never the actual champ. I just, no uh, people no. people who think that are, are yeah. scatterbrained. That's four games versus 18, or in, tw- in this case, 20. Tw- 20, 20, right? 20, very different. But shout out to Zachary Swisey for the questions at Zach Swise is his Twitter handle. Go ahead, saw some of the follow, my, my guy. And then a little bit of a, a, a fun question from old producer of the Green and White Report, Brendan Wilner. He comes in. If you could pick one basketball venue to go spend a weekend, at which one would it be 
and why. Don't get me wrong. Allen Fieldhouse, Rupp Arena, Pauley Pavilion. I need to get there. They're, they're bucket list places. But Cameron Indoor, I, I need to attend a game there. It, it's the history. It just reeks of history at that place. And, and being able to see a team like Duke in person would just be wild. And the Cameron Crazies, best student section in the country by a mile, I might add. I need to get there. That's all it is. People maybe. are going to kill us for that answer, but I agree with you. Maybe camp out in, in Kville. Okay. Well, uh, that's, that's too much. Come on. You're, they're, they are they're not, insane they're ruthless. for doing that. You're old enough to know better. They're ruthless. Um, yeah, to me, Cameron is college basketball. Uh, I mean, you think if I, you know, in my head, what is a, what is the place other than like a Final Four, which, you know, if I was thinking of a loophole to that question, I'd just say the Final Four since that is a weekend of basketball. Uh yeah, that's got to be the place because the energy, the the tradition, the actual how synonymous it is with the game itself. I would look no further. Sorry, Breslin. <laughs> Been there too many times. I'd like to go to Madison Square Garden. Need to get there. Counts. Mm. Need. I like I'm it. all for extravagance. I like of it. Of course it counts. St. John's plays there. There you go. <laughs> Beautiful. Don't sleep on Hinkle. I'm telling you. If you haven't seen that place, you need to get there. Butler? Oh, yeah. So darn cool. I like it. I'm going to go different. What do you got? I'm going to go with the Fieldhouse. I'm going to go with Allen Fieldhouse. I need to get there, too. I just, I can't pick Can- Cameron. I can't. It, I right. can't do it. And the it's fog. not the, the whole Michigan State thing. Yeah. Never been a Duke guy. Never. Really? I just have never. And, and I, I was on the big hate Christian So you've Lager. never, so you're hate not even. JJ Reddick. So because of that, you don't even want to check out a piece of history, just no, a cool venue? No, no. I don't want to be anywhere wow. that those, James, those guys I feel bad for you. I do. JJ has earned some forgiveness. I feel bad for you for not wanting to experience that place. Just I'm trying in to think. I'm trying to think other places. I mean, shoot. I mean, you look. You think anywhere, anywhere where the I team think is hot would be nice. Anywhere where the I, team, yeah, I'd like to get scary. Anywhere where the team is good and there's energy in the building. Even look last night, Virginia Tech. Right. Not necessarily known as a basketball powerhouse, but man, if you wouldn't have wanted to be in that atmosphere last night, you're not a college basketball person. You're very right. Yep. Good you, point. You, you hit the nail on the head. Good point, Kyle. It, it's all about momentum. All about momentum. <laughs> Well, shout out to the question from Brendan Wilner at B underscore Wilner 16. His Twitter handle. Give him a follow as well. He'll accept your request. He'll accept the request. <laughs> what is it with people in the, in the private Twitter? The private. That's a that's a flex. It's I think a, that's a it's, flex. It's a private subject. <laughs> but big shout out to everyone for the Twitter questions. We love to have them. Once again, send them in with the hashtag Impact Izone. They'll be on next week's pod. If you want to send in some more questions. And this is everyone's favorite part, previewing the upcoming matchups. Of course, spring break is around the corner. Won't be here. Won't have a pod. So we're going to go through the last three games for the season for Michigan State. The first one being Michigan State against Indiana at Assembly Hall. That game on Saturday at noon. Indiana just 14-14 and 14 on the year, 5-12 and 12 in the Big Ten. However, they did win their last game in double OT, beating Wisconsin 75-73 just last night. And really, you look at that game, it was just an ugly game. Neither team shot the ball well. Did you enjoy it? I liked were, it. I, were you watching it? I ate it up. Yeah, that was some good stuff. <laughs> I, I flicked it on at the end of regulation. I was like, oh, man. I thought, because if memory serves, Indiana jumped out to a pretty big lead in the second half. At least a few possessions. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, Wisconsin came out a little bit slow to start the second. And, and I was like, okay, good to go. I can turn this one off. I look up. Oh, man. End of, end of regulation tied. I'll take it. That was some excellent basketball down the stretch. I don't I don't care what you say. It was it was, it was watchable. It was entertaining. <laughs> Sloppy product, but yeah, close games at the end of February. You're, entertaining. You're trying. I mean, for Wisconsin's sake, they're in. Indiana's been a train wreck all season, and they get a, a very much-needed win. Maybe not so much for Michigan State because now Saturday makes things a little more important, a little bit more, you know, momentum that Indiana's riding on. But it was a good game. Romeo Langford, he's a stud. I think that's that's the thing. The game wasn't great for me, but it was. It felt kind of nice to watch Romeo Langford have his his big Indiana hero moment for once. He hits the game winning layup to win Indiana the game in double overtime. Twenty two points, seven rebounds, eight of seventeen from the field for him. But Michigan State going away to Assembly Hall. I do think it's it's a tougher game that people are going to give it credit for. Because it is away at Assembly Hall, still one of the best venues in college basketball. But I still have Michigan State winning this one. I think Winston goes in, and I don't think he's going to have any bad games over the, these last three games to end out the season. And I think he does what he did at Michigan. And Michigan State gets some revenge 
wins this one easy at Assembly Hall. Well, Michigan State, even in the first loss to Indiana, pretty much handled them. I mean, it was missed free throws and offensive rebounds, something that was very uncharacteristic for that Michigan State team that Indiana just capitalized on. And Tom Izzo hit it after that game that, you know, IU hit shots. They, I believe they were 10 of 20 from three that game. And, I mean, Michigan State was defending them well, but IU at the end of the day just made shots. And it's, that's the name of the game if you can hit some shots here. And, and you said it, Julian, Assembly Hall, probably as tough a place to play in the league. And, I mean, they went there last year, narrowly got out there with a three-point win. So it, it's never an easy task going to Bloomington for a win, and especially against a desperate Indiana team who's just trying to string together any bit of momentum that they can grab heading into the conference tournament. But you still probably have to like Michigan State, at least on paper. Um, and coming off the big win, you'll see if there's a hangover from that. But I agree with you. I do think Michigan State, just top to bottom, is the better team and should take care of business there. Yeah, I agree. I just think Indiana, they can't shoot from the outside of the perimeter, and I feel like Michigan State's defense will win the game for them. And, I mean, they only have Langford and Morgan, I think, for their offense, and that's it. That's who they run it through. So Michigan State's, I mean, on a high from this rivalry win, and then going forward, it, it should be an easy win. And the other thing is, importantly, after a game where Cassius Winston plays 40 minutes, six days of rest. I think that Huge. cannot be uh, cannot be understated. Uh, they'll be going in just a little bit fresher, and uh, the schedule I think sets up nice for them in terms of you know time to rest these these last few uh, few days here. So and, yeah, with I, it's what you want with Winston playing the minutes he is. Yeah, with and without the the level of competition in the Indiana team that's reeling and a Nebraska team that is better but isn't that great at just fifteen and thirteen He's overall injured. Nebraska. Yeah, you say reeling, but man, I mean, I w- you said you wouldn't be surprised earlier. I mean, it's a tough matchup. The the they have big depth inside. Uh, if if Tillman picks up fouls, it's a whole different game. I think that's the one thing you can say. MSU did a good job and kept in the game plan for Michigan was avoiding Tillman foul trouble because right now he's your last line of defense for all intents and purposes. So a game at Assembly Hall could get very interesting. No Ward, but. I think we all have Michigan State to go on win this one at Assembly Hall. No predictions for me. I'm calling it. Look at you. I'm I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the Herb <laughs> Street. The rest of these these next three games. Look at somehow, you, you somehow, big shot. Because somehow I end up on the call for all three of them. What a big shot this kid is. Somehow. Did Some I say, out, is it out. another another flex? Sorry. It's a little bit of a flex. Oh. It's all right though. Okay. We'll forgive you. We'll forgive you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yeah, Michigan State will probably win. Thank you for that, Amanda. <laughs> Michigan State going to Assembly Hall Saturday at noon is the scheduled tip for that game noon. It will be broadcasted on Fox. Kyle Turk, Joey Ellis will both be in attendance. Luke Sloan as well. Luke Sloan is calling the game with me. And also Sam Britton will be there. And uh, Sam Britton. Our impact volunteer. He's oh. there for uh, the only colors. And tell me, get out of here. Traitor. Ah, traitor. What is he doing? Betrayed us. Wait, you guys don't have any spring break plans? Nope. Uh-huh. Stuck my, here. My, my spring break is spent with the East Lansing community. Stuck Aww. here. Stuck basketball. Stuck in Grand Rapids. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate it. You guys are doing great work. But be sure to follow them for that Indiana game Saturday noon. Following that, Michigan State will come back home to the Breslin Center and welcome Nebraska in. That game's Tuesday, March 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And as I said earlier, Nebraska, a little bit better than Indiana, 15-13 and 13 overall on the season, 5-12 and 12 in the Big Ten, currently on a two-game losing streak, falling away at Penn State, 95-71, and then losing at home against Purdue, 75-72, much closer affair there against a Purdue team that's trying to grab a share of the Big Ten title in the regular season. And for me, last time Michigan-Nebraska played was January 17th, away at Pinnacle Bank. And Michigan State won seventy to sixty four. Nick Ward was playing in that game. And, uh, Nebraska is a solid team. The thing that I think give Michigan State some fits. They have a guy in James Homer Jr. who's fantastic at eighteen point nine points a game. His shooting isn't great, and I think that's the thing that's going to hurt Nebraska. Is he only shoots it on the season thirty six percent from the field? If Michigan State slows him down, it's leads to a lot of questions offensively for Nebraska. No, yeah, this was a game back in January where Nebraska had a whole head of steam. I mean, the, you looked up and they were among the Big Ten leaders. Um, advanced metrics, I think, had them in top tens in some places for uh, for just the how impressive they had looked. 
And then MSU came out there and had a very confident performance on the road in a tough, tough environment. Seems like that game was a year ago. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't tell you I remember a single thing about that game other than, uh, you know, bits and pieces. I mean, the only thing happening in that game was Isaac Copeland was playing for Nebraska. Now he's out for the year, which was a huge loss for Big Tim hit. Miles. And and that's just kind of what you, what you wanted for Nebraska going into the Breslin Center. Can they get enough production outside of James Palmer? To go into a tough place to play and win, I don't know if they can. I don't think they can. Like you said, Julian, coming off two straight losses, maybe potentially three, depending how they fare with Michigan. Um, probably should be a win for Michigan State at home. I don't see them dropping two or maybe three games at the Breslin Center. It's unfortunate because uh, they looked like a tournament team for for most of that start of the season. And then uh, to see them just deal with injuries – uh, see, it shows you what can happen when you're not in a, when you don't recruit at an MSU level and you get a couple injuries to to major guys. It, 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 it can go off the rails pretty quickly. It hurts your team, and I do give them some credit. They play it great defensively, executing a man to man in a one three one zone, which could give some fits. But I think Joey, like you said, Michigan State. I don't think they're going to drop any more on the Breslin Breslin floor. I think they go out and win this one, and Nebraska will have to play Michigan first on Tuesday in Ann Arbor. So I don't know if they'll come away with a win there either. So coming to the Breslin Center with three straight losses will be pretty hard for Nebraska uh, corners. You mean team upcoming to tomorrow? Tuesday is when they play. Oh, excuse me, Thursday. There Thursday, yes, upcoming tomorrow on Thursday. Thank you for that. Losing track of my days. But following that, you get Michigan-Michigan State part duh at the <laughs> Breslin Center, Saturday, March 9th, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And this game so far out, it's hard to predict what will really happen. Michigan could look like a completely different team if Jordan Poole starts to get going. Charles Matthews did tweak his ankle in the first game. Could be a different player, could have a different impact come that Saturday. So, really quickly, anything you want to touch on for this game and give me your prediction? Well, Michigan comes in with six days of rest. I know you're thinking of something to say, so, <laughs> so I'll give you a second here. Michigan comes in with six days of rest. Uh, that's a tough game at Maryland. I know they just lost to Penn State, but that's a tough game at Maryland on the Sunday uh, right after MSU plays Indiana. If my math is right and my calendar in the head is right, that'd be, yeah, the Sunday right after the, the second. Yes. Boom. For Michigan? Michigan, Maryland, yes. Pull up there. I believe it is Indiana. Uh, yeah, right. so, I mean, it's it's going to be uh, a classic. Again, I get the feeling. I know I think there will be some certain things that Michigan will do better. And I do think that the home court for MSU will work out uh, to its advantage as well. So that means it's anyone's guess. It's I think it's totally situational, too, with, I mean, is Ward going to be back for that game? And is he going to get minutes? And do they have a game plan if Ward is coming back? Or do they have a game plan up against Winston now? Or can you have a game plan against Winston? I think it all is situational. It's going to um, – I mean, you're not going to know what's going to happen until the game actually starts. Well, I think, if anything, Michigan – learns quite a bit about that first loss to Michigan State and you can probably bet they're they're going to see quite a bit of changes Michigan State that is from Michigan in just how they run their offense and like you said Jordan Poole if he can hit some shots Charles Matthews it depends if Michigan what Michigan offense shows up if it's the one where they're hitting shots and in defending well pretty darn tough to beat but I mean they've been Poole and, and Brasdikas have been struggling as of late so it'll be interesting to see how Michigan looks they definitely have to finish Stronger here down the stretch in MSU, like you said, Kyle, at home. I don't see them losing a whole lot more games at the Breslin. It'll be a great game. Next Sunday, they don't need an A-plus performance to win. No. They just need an A or an A-minus. And I think that's the one thing where uh, if you're looking at what separates it, it could be something like Ward coming back. It could be uh, someone like Matt McQuaid, who I think only had 13 points Yeah, against Michigan, could pop in a couple more here and there. Uh, we haven't really talked a whole lot of Aaron Henry this week, but I mean, it'll be interesting to see track where he ends up being, you know, in a mental state of mind, how he ends up performing over these next uh, two games at least. Because man, if it if it's a guy that needs a little bit of a pep, a pep in his step, that's the guy that you need, especially especially with Arns so iffy, because Arns is just you don't know with that back. Yeah, and you give credit to Henry, uh, excuse me, give credit to Arns for playing on the minutes he did in the Michigan game because Henry had foul trouble, and I think that was the biggest thing. He picked up two early in the first half and didn't come back, and he is a guy who needs to get going. He needs a little bit more of a confidence boost. He's had some good games this season, but has been inconsistent and hasn't been great down this stretch. He's from Indiana, isn't he? 
Yes, maybe, Indianapolis. Maybe, Indianapolis. maybe you'll get a little bit of a boost uh, from, playing, from playing against uh, IU on, su- on Saturday. Maybe. You never know. We can see what happens. But a lot of things will be different as Michigan State will welcome Michigan to the Rosen Center for the last matchup of this two-game series. Be sure to keep it locked to impact89fm.org slash sports for all the previews, recaps of these three-game stretch. Three straight live games to end out the year, too. Three straight live games. I was hoping you would drop that in, but don't forget. I was waiting for you to say it. Oh, that's... that's you got a plug. Real you're, funny. You're announcing. Well, and Joey's in there, <laughs> there, for, uh, there for, for Michigan as well. You, you know we had to uh, to go out with a bang here in the regular season. A bit of a banger. Go out with a bang. <laughs> I feel it. Well, plus the Big Ten <laughs> tournament coming up. Those will be live, too. You, you're you just loving it, aren't you? I love it. I love the fact that content is flowing from Impact 89 FM, including this podcast, Impact Is Own. Thank you all for listening in to Season 6, Episode 16. Won't have an episode over spring break, but we'll be back following the end of the regular season with a huge Big Ten podcast. Once again, thanks for tuning in.